0: Hello to everyone, welcome to Impact on the Crown with Tia. I'm the CEO of a tech for good company and passionate about making difference. This podcast series will dig deeper into what it means to make impactful change in society and whether you are an individual, charity, social enterprise representative, company grant maker or government body. I hope you will enjoy these conversations. We focus on the dynamics between those who have resources to give and those who actually do the beneficiary work and tackle the challenges in our society. So uh, today, uh, here at Impact on the Ground, we have two guests uh, and they represent uh, a conservation co- collective. We are celebrating here now the Environment Day. Uh, uh, And this year, 2021, the theme is uh, nature restoration and the Conservation Collective is very up for this restoration work in the UK, but also uh, around the globe. So today we have here two guests from the collective and we have Jade and we have Aminod and Vinod is actually participating to this call from Sri Lanka, which is exciting. Uh, Hello Vinod, Uh, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi everyone, Um, thank you for having us here Tila. Uh, My name is Vinod Malwatta and I am uh, a conservationist based in Sri Lanka. Um, I'm the current executive director of the Lanka Environment Fund. Uh, So, we're part of the Conservation Collective. Um, Jade will introduce the Conservation Collective, but we are one of the uh, uh, affiliate members of the collective, uh, one of many, uh, many different organizations around the world that sits under the umbrella of the Conservation Collective. Um, We, Lanka Environment Fund came about in 2019 um, so we're somewhat new um, in, in the space in Sri Lanka, but we've been doing some very exciting uh, work over the last few years that I would uh, love to sh- share with you all over the course of this
0: podcast. Okay, cool. So Jade, uh, welcome. Hi. Uh, could you Hi. yourself and the Collective as a, a rooftop organization?
2: Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Jade Brudenell. I'm the Executive Director of the Conservation Collective, which is a network of local environment foundations based all over the world. Um, from Sri Lanka to Devon to Barbados. So we have 12 members at the moment and a kind of growing pipeline of, you know, maybe another six under development. Um, We tap into kind of mankind's natural instinct to protect what what they love. So we build these organizations to raise money from people and and, uh, businesses with strong connections to a particular place in order to give that money out Um, via a kind of uh, well-informed and passionate local individual like Vinod, to the best local uh, campaigns, projects, initiatives, um, and organizations that are working to tackle climate change, restore nature and protect the environment.
0: Okay, cool. That's a a kind of a, I would say, new model. I haven't, you know, really got to know many of these collectives. So you operate like uh, as a fundraiser and resource raiser element and are you also kind of looking into the impact and kind of do due diligence on the individuals and organizations doing the work on the ground?
2: Yeah, so we, um, I guess we are we are quite kind of innovative in, in our approach in terms of focusing on place-based uh, models in particular. Um, our main kind of drive at the beginning was opportunity led. It was focusing on where we can increase flows of funding. It's a massively underfunded space, grassroots conservation, less than 3% of global philanthropic funding goes to the environment. And we think that, or we, we feel like uh, we have kind of tried and tested now that this model is a good way to attract new supporters to much needed critical projects. Um, yeah so our role is to seed and support the development of new foundations kind of following this tried and tested framework but also to strengthen and support existing members so making fundraising introductions and connections to to groups like Vinodes who we know might be interested in a particular topic you know not not just the place-based angle but maybe people who are looking specifically for mangrove or, or for kind of other thematics that they're working on You know, wants to say something more to the uh, to the kind of due diligence he's doing.
0: Yeah, so Vinod, uh, could you uh, tell us uh, what your foundation specifically does and what, uh, you know, what what is your passion, you know, and, and mission behind this all?
1: Um, so it, it, with the Environment Fund, what, what as, as Jade kind of pointed out, what we try to do is um, fundraise. So we almost are like a conduit, we'll say, for international as well as local fundraising. Um, so what we try to do is connect fundraisers or people who are interested in the environment with actually the, the conservation professionals working on the front lines. Um, so it's a very underfunded space. So what we try to do is, Uh, My role is fundraising as well as finding uh, the appropriate projects to access that funding. Um, So we work across four thematic areas. Uh, We have terrestrial ecosystem conservation, uh, marine conservation, which is a very big uh, proponent of our work in Sri Lanka, given we're an island nation. Um, And then we have uh, effective waste management and responsible tourism. So we kind of have projects across these four areas uh, that we work on Uh, and our main goal is actually as an organization is to um, empower local communities as well as local conservationists on the ground to continue the work that they've been doing and 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 also try to act as a a facilitator as much as possible from a global level Um, so like Jade said if there are international players um, interested in working in Sri Lanka we try to act as a, a, a conduit like I said to, to facilitate the, the knowledge transfer, fundraising, or even just offering local expertise, because sometimes uh, we don't have that kind of yeah. local expertise in Sri Lanka with the conservation field, somewhat new um, in a developing country like ours.
0: Yeah. So, um, um, you know, um, what I've learned, uh, at least in the UK, because we've been trying to attract lots of uh, environmental charities and, and social enterprises to our platform, What Impact? And um, it, it seems that sometimes, uh, you know, the en- environmental charities, they just have to be very big ones because the problems are so big, you know, like climate change. So, so you kind of think that, you know, the tiniest charity, can they really, you know, do something about it? But, uh, but I think, uh, you know, you are just proving it opposite that there, there are lots of small operators who can do bits and pieces like in in your case um you know uh restoring and very like local specific restoration work and also i assume also mindset change if you're working with uh, uh you know responsible tourism so good would you like to comment on that
1: yeah so i mean to that point it's uh funny that you brought that up because at least at, i'm like a one-man team here in sri lanka um yeah. so like it's just me um, who does a lot of the things but what we've been doing is um, we found that um, also being kind of like a facilitator or a coordinator uh, we're not really stepping on anyone's toes as an implementing organization we provide grants for people as well as we kind of uh, facilitate the conversations put people in the room and act as a, a coordinator like I said so Uh, Because of that, we have, and there's been a, we've been able to facilitate a lot of and build on coalitions. Uh, That's some of the, one of the main strategies that we've actually used. Um, Like you said, a lot of the problems in the environmental space are very complex. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, And what we're finding is no one organization can address all of those problems. So you're almost better off actually building these coalitions and working together Because, you know, what we might be good at, our skill set might not be the skill set that another organization has, but that organization might have the skill set needed to attack that problem. So, you know, our philosophy is, you know, empower the people who are really good at doing what they do um, and, you know, provide them with the other pieces in that jigsaw puzzle so we can kind of work towards um, achieving a greater good or like a, a bigger environmental
0: goal. Jade, would you like to uh, uh, comment on, you know, kind of how kind of this uh, idea came about? Because you have the Mm UK-based, like, restoration and, you know, nature-related foundations that you you, uh, work with. But then there are Barbados, St. Vincent, and, you know,
2: kind of how are they interconnected? So... I mean, the kind of common linchpin is that they are members of our network because our founder, Ben Goldsmith, um, who is a kind of UK based environmental investor and philanthropist, um, set up the first foundation in Ibiza just over 11 years ago. It happened completely organically with a group of friends where they spotted the stark difference between the kind of starkly overdeveloped southern coastlines and the really beautiful, wild, natural northern coastlines and thought, hang on a minute, who's doing anything to stop this kind of encroachment and overdevelopment moving north? Um, At the time, very, very little funding on the island was given to local groups, but there's a huge amount of money. There's a huge amount of uh, foreigners with with second homes. There's a huge amount of hotels. Still today, they're developing new five-star hotels all the time. People in these super yachts turn up all the time, and, and none of them were really thinking, I want to be doing this in 10 years' time, and what's it going to look like? So Ibiza Preservation, you know, was set up and has, has made some really amazing impact on the island from, you know, really um, being the facilitator that prevented uh, that created a group that's managed to pass a law to stop oil prospecting in the waters around Ibiza and Formentera, um, to creating new marine protected areas and, and kind of really raising awareness of the importance of protecting Posidonia, which is the kind of carbon storing Um, really incredible Mediterranean seagrass so they I think bring in about uh, or they had been bringing in just over half a million euros a year kind of maybe Um, Mm pre-COVID but you know I think that's the kind of that was sort of the launch pad that made other friends of Ben's come to him and say hey I've got a place in Mystique or the Aeolian Islands Um, you know I'd like to do something there and after it kind of was more of a reactive thing. Ben and I, who'd worked together in the past, thought, oh, maybe we can take this as a model and go to people and say, you know, what about doing this in different different parts of, of the Mediterranean? And we're kind of really excited now by the idea of building these kind of regional groupings, you know, so we've got a couple in the Caribbean and to bring in a few more in the Caribbean so that those local directors can really work together and see if something's working, if there's a kind of Um, really great coral protection program going on in Barbados, they can share intel with the local groups in St. Vincent. Um, And, you know, likewise in the Med and in the UK and in the uh, kind of Indian Ocean, we'd like to see those little regional hubs grow up together. And we'd like to be the kind of facilitator that puts, makes it easy for people to come together, you know, to hold kind of annual workshops, to, to be a bit of a knowledge center, to share these best practices. And as Vinod said, to kind of stop Prevent reinventing the wheel, but also to make sure that these kind of skills are, are transferred.
0: Yeah, definitely. I guess the scaling here is uh, Im- important. Um, you know, not only in in a fundraising, getting the support, but uh, the actual work, like you said, reinventing the wheel is not, um, you know, uh, it's not smart and not good use of resources. Um, so, what kind of a companies? are supporting you and what are they giving to you? Is it money or do they support you also otherwise?
2: So our corporate supporters are a bit of a range. I'd say for the most part, and because we have evolved to be predominantly in kind of high touristic areas, um, hotels and restaurants are a low hanging fruit. They're the people we kind of go to first to really show them how and why they should be supporting the, the future of the local environment around them. Um, we have set up schemes in the past, uh, which we called one euro for the environment. So hotels and restaurants adding a euro to the bill. You know, if you're in a really amazing beach bar in Greece and spending a hundred dollars on a bottle of champagne, if, an, if a euro is added to your bill, hopefully <laughs> that shouldn't be too much of a problem. Um, but actually, you know, we've, we've had some great successes through these slightly sort of creative Brand partnerships. We had a pizza restaurant in London that raised something like twenty five thousand euros over a summer by creating a Aeolian pizza. So we've got some kind of corporate partnerships like that. I think wherever we are raising funds for, from them for projects, we're also looking at ways to encourage them to adopt more responsible practices, to sign up to um, reduce single use plastics, to encourage them to really think about where they're sourcing their their fish from, and and from you know to encourage them. To to, to kind of support local producers and, and, and buy local uh, so products. Also well, also consulting them uh, in a sustainable- Or, or less consulting and more connecting them with those yeah. on the ground who really have the answers to these problems. But, you know, we have a real diverse selection of corporate supporters. We have a, a um, barefoot, running com- barefoot running shoe company in Devon who the family are from Devon. So they're interested in that area, but equally, the Devon Environment Foundation is supporting a uh, pilot project, which is a seaweed farm. And you know seaweed is kind of being piped as this food of the future, but it's also you know got potential for use in packaging, for using feedstock for livestock, for use in you know potentially and even footwear and and different materials. So they're kind of supporting the local foundation, but they also want to an eye into what's going on in terms of some of these more innovative programs
0: i mean this uh this kind of like a shared value thinking like even uh you know uh creating business opportunities for some of these companies and 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 so on that's that's amazing it's really lovely to hear because uh we always talk in what impact that it's not about the status of an organization with a charity social enterprise there has to be just different kind of uh, organizations collaborating. And uh, it's not just that the charities are given out of pity or, you know, kind of, we're just helping these charities. Charities have so much knowledge mm-hmm. and, and skills and, and uh, you know, they can really help also businesses to innovate and mm-hmm. get access to certain data and, and so on. So I think it's amazing that you you are already doing that. Uh, and we we want to be very advocates of, of this kind of uh, collaboration. So, we know uh, what uh, do you have? Um, organizations from the UK who are supporting your foundation?
1: Well, our model has been a little um, different. We'll say in Sri Lanka. I mean, Sri Lanka was very high on the. Um, you know, we were doing very well in tourism, but, you know, in 2019, we had the Easter bombings that happened in 2020 COVID and, you know, the repercussions of the pandemic. It's it's kind of Sri Lanka's, you know, spike in COVID numbers recently. So tourism, again, is kind of on the down. Um, so our model has been a little different, but we've had a lot of people from the UK who, are, who have businesses in Sri Lanka um, who have been interested or who have connected us to other people. So there is a lot of people come back, but it's mainly been... Um, private philanthropic donations that we've been working with we haven't really formed any private partnership uh, like public partnerships with we'll say um we'll say a company based in the uk or anything like that but we have had um uk citizens who have an interest in sri lanka who have come to sri lanka who potentially set up a business in sri lanka who've been donating to the fund and being involved in it so that's that's a way that people have been involved
0: in it yeah. yeah So, uh, Jade, if if now uh, any company wants to collaborate with you, uh, what are the resources you need? What what Of course, money. Money. Money is you know, always
2: wanted. And so me- money, money, money is an obvious one. And we have been lucky enough recently to secure some funding um, through 1% for the Planet, which I think is a really brilliant scheme um, where corporates sign up to give 1% of their operating model or revenue. Revenue, operating profit, can't remember. but um, And then they get to pick approved charities. And so at least a couple of us now are members of, of that. And we recently had some funding from an online um, skincare, ethical skincare brand. And I think what we want as well as funding is, is awareness. And, you know, within our network, you know, and this is where I think we work well with corporates as well. We have some incredible stories about local environmental champions, you know, people who really are at the kind of, coalface of some of the biggest issues and who have the passion and the drive to to solve to solve these issues. And we have these stories and we're finding more and more, you know, that corporates would have the ability to help us tell them. So Naturissimo, who we've partnered with, have 60,000 subscribers to their newsletter. I think we've got about one and a half because we're a much kind of younger and smaller group. And, you know, this is fantastic that we can start to champion and and raise awareness and hopefully then raise the impact of of some of the local partners. I think it's that joint marketing and awareness raising um, potential and going forwards to next year, hopefully we'll be able to get back into doing events and and working together in that space as well to kind of bring bring stories um, to light.
0: Can, uh, can people uh, volunteer otherwise than uh, fundraise
2: uh, do you have like skills yeah. volunteering or just volunteering like opportunities i think lots of the local foundations and um have you know their own volunteering schemes kind of linked to helping coordinate beach cleanups linking to help um you know sometimes run social media accounts in in you know, like, like Vinod was saying, it's a one-man band running about 10 jobs, I think, you know, running an organization, fundraising, grant management. In a bigger charity, Vinod would be a team of 15. So, you know, volunteers with useful skill sets is fantastic, and I'll let him speak more to that in a second. Um, a story I liked recently is that we have a new corporate partner with an architect firm in, in Devon, and um, the UK run uh, uh, a match funding campaign for the environment called the Big green the big give and it's the green match fund and so we had a 10,000 match target and if Devon could environment foundation and actually our Scottish fund in the highlands and islands as well if they could reach 10,000 then that would be matched and the uh the architects firm did a bake sale and you had to create a cake inspired by something nature natural from Devon so there were some you know beavers rivers kind of coastlines um and, you know, you don't think a, a bake sale can raise that much money, but they raised 250 quid and then the company matched 250 quid. So then that 500 was donated and the 500 was matched. So that simple little bake sale made a thousand, um, thousand pounds, which can go towards, you know, some of the wonderful projects they're supporting. Um, yeah. So I think that's a nice way of companies actually in- involving their employees. Um, I don't know, if, you know, do you want to say a bit more about? Yeah.
0: What? what how can uh, people volunteer? Can. Um- Group of you, you know, people from the UK, for instance, uh, travel to Sri Lanka and volunteer.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, what? Obviously, we we love for that for like stuff like that when when it, when it is possible because there are a lot of like opportunities in Sri Lanka. Like like Jake said, we'll say cleanups is a simple one, but we we are going through a lot of like we're doing a lot of mangrove restoration work and getting into that space. So that's something that people can be in, in, involved in. Uh, but interestingly, we've also had people like we're currently doing a, a kind of a new marketing brochure or like a, a pitch, doc, pitch document, if you will, mm-hmm. what we're giving out to people. And, and, and someone's basically come on board and said, hey, I don't have, you know, I'm really passionate about the environment, but, you know, I don't have the necessary funding to, to make sure. But I do have this skill set of yeah. being really good at, you know, being a graphic designer and being able to put a pitch deck together. So that's been super helpful for us to have uh, almost like technical expertise. Someone who would have, you know, we would have had to pay to, you know, do our brochure or maintain our website to run a social media campaign. Who's come on board and said, "I would like to give back to the environment, and this is how I'm going to do it." Um, So there could be people even based in the UK, you know, who have a skill um, that they're really good at and that they want to mobilize for environmental cause, where they can reach out to us and say, "Hey, we'd love to do something for y'all." with your website you know I, I noticed your website you know could be a little bit more interactive maybe there are ways like that or you know maybe i could run uh uh do something for y'all um on, on a social media account i could draw for y'all to like create a very interactive campaign yeah. there are so many very interesting ways that um, we want to look at things and i think with there's there's so much media inundation these days it's always good to think outside the box and see yeah. you can and as jade said like just getting that awareness out there Um, is a big step you know as the more people know about some of the issues the more kind of that thinking gets in line with you know how we need to change as a collective you know
2: yeah and I think can I say one last thing on that I just had an idea of what I'm what I'm seeing quite a lot more about as well is applications to for grants from the local to the local foundations for citizen science projects and I think that's a really great way for people to get involved so it's you know, it's um in, recently in Tuscany, there was a biodiversity census and everyone was encouraged to download an app called iNaturalist. And over the weekend, take a picture of every time you saw a, a specific type of butterfly or bird and kind of upload that to the system, which is then starting to look at kind of counting populations. And, you know, it's as much as if you're out on a boat in the med taking pictures of pods of dolphins or, or kind of cetaceans or, the kind of to be able to enable scientists to monitor the the seagrass health um i think that's a really great way that that all of us can get involved
0: yeah and i think Sometimes you know uh, people in 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 with like corporate skills, uh, you know, don't realize how valuable their skills are for charities. That you know, people in charities are dedicated to the cause, not necessarily finance experts or marketing professionals, and and so on. And and uh, it, it can change the life of a charity if they get lots of skills. Uh, because then they, they can help, fund, you know, charity fundraise and, you know, really raise the awareness. And, and I think that should be, like, celebrated more, of course, in terms of uh, co- company or corporate employees that might feel that I'm doing the same thing as mm. a volunteer that I'm doing at work. Yeah. <laughs> but might then, you know, maybe somebody wants to rather go to the nature and, uh, you know, clean the beach. But mm. in terms of skills, you know, it's still so much more valuable um you know for the charity because they will have to pay for it otherwise so there is a huge cost saving involved but let's talk about your impact how do you monitor your impact Be Vinod what kind of methods do you use to you know monitor what, what you have achieved
1: so it, it depends on the project uh, uh... So we've been doing a number of different projects. So I can just talk about uh, our latest project that we're looking at, which is a a trilingual digital awareness campaign. Um, So for that, for example, what we're looking at doing is actually looking at the, the how many just the, the social media statistics and how much reach we're getting across media platforms. So that's the most straightforward one uh, because it is a very digital, digital, you know, digital interfaces. It's much easier to quantify and the metrics do come out from, from these sites that you run these on. Uh, but we've got another interesting one with uh, biodiversity corridors that we're creating two new biodiversity corridors in the, in the country. Um, And that one will say it's a little bit more tricky uh, because what we're looking at doing is, I mean, how do you quantify um, the creation of those areas? So we're looking at like kind of like bigger scale. Um, So, for example, the partner that we're working with has been told to come on board to create more corridors similar to that. So for us, that's a huge win, we'll say, because. That means the, the model that we've funded has been recognized as a very accepted model and they want replicability. So that's one of the main things, how we quantify some of the impact we've been doing. If there's replicability and we can ensure that there's progression of the project, because then you link one corridor to a second one, to a third one, and then you start creating stepping stones through an environment. Um, okay. So that's one way we look at, um, look at it. Um, so it's just really dependent on, on on the project and how we do it. Um, we've got another project that we're looking at. It's a three year project and that one's uh, policy recommendations to the government yeah. um, and the impact on that will be measured. How much of the policy recommendations actually uptake um, and passed into legislation and um, how, that, how, that, how that region after that will have a baseline study. Um, and then we'll also look at that study period again at the end of it. So we'll be able to see over the course of the three years, once we've implemented these um, solutions to the problem, has there actually been an impact that's happened after the project was initiated to when it ended. So having that baseline study and having a study at the end helps us quantify what our project has achieved during that time.
0: Yeah. So if this is the uh, challenge, Jade, you said that was it 3% of the funding goes to environmental? causes is this uh, the challenge you know quantifying the impact because it's in environment it's not
2: like yeah. a finger uh something. It's, not, it's not as simple as saying yeah. i raised a billion to build a hospital and here's the hospital um you know it, it does take more digging i think you know we've got a plethora of incredible examples of species protected or habitats protected or policies changed or people educated but how do you bring that all together Um, So we have been working with a consultant here in the UK called New Philanthropy Capital. We're working on a theory of change at the moment, which will really kind of consolidate and test some of the assumptions that we've been making over the last couple of years about the efficacy of our work. And what we're hoping to be able to do is to pull out some kind of standard methodology across the group and put some key performance indicators in there. It's difficult because, you know, whilst we're all, um, focused on long-term net conservation gain and, and nature restoration, there are a lot of other kind of values-based um, metrics such as awareness raising, behavioral change, education, policy change. And I think, you know, we we will do our best to kind of find a set of standard common indicators, but also acknowledge that there is a huge amount of almost unmeasurable um value that Vinod and his counterparts around the world bring to these local organizations so you know capacity building um encouraging I guess the development of green jobs um, in the kind of long term so watch this space for the conservation collective's first kind of group impact report but hopefully hopefully we'll have something next year
0: yeah, that's a very interesting uh, uh, theory of change and uh, social impact logic model, uh, very uh, familiar to us at what impact, uh, our impact reporting tool, it's not measurement, but reporting tool is an extensive product. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that you will benefit from it uh, mm-hmm. and we can set another call about it. I introduce it to you, but that would right. help you to also then collect um, you know, your annual uh, maybe own like an impact report uh, mm-hmm. and that can be uh, specified for each project. Mm-hmm. So even we you could be reporting on on all of your projects separately and it's, uh, it, it, uh, it relies on theory of change and, and the logic model. And uh, yeah, uh, but like you said that, that many impact uh, kind of results are, are kind of uh, qualitative. Mm. Uh, so there are not not everything not nature not even well-being health whatever the cause is it's not a quantitative
2: of course i think that helps the um i think it's that's why we like this local approach because as you said you know trying to kind of move the dial on the three percent of environmental giving i think many of our donors if you went to them and said help us um combat tropical deforestation or save the orangutans or these kind of things that we all know need to need to be addressed but they feel so far-fetched and they feel like how can I do that with my ten fifteen thousand dollars yeah um, but if you say to them have you noticed the amount of plastic washing up in the shore where you live have you noticed um that there's nowhere to refill your water bottle or, you know some of the more kind of consumer the things that we all face in our day-to-day life or that the, the recycling is rubbish even yeah. here in nature um you know that's where you can start with these local organizations to yeah make changes and, and then show real impact, and real impact that affects you in your own life.
0: Yes, definitely. So, Avino, would you mind showing us around? Because uh, I heard that there was sort of like a storm thundering behind you, just there. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. where, where are you? What's the, So, um, so I'm
1: actually at, um, at home in the Eastern Province uh, where I live. Um, this is outside,
0: Ooh, beautiful.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of a storm coming in. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. great, great. So, um, anyway, any, uh, like, a end note for the environment day? What do you wish to uh, say to all the podcast listeners? not if you start?
1: From, from my point of view, what I would like to say is, like, I think um, everyone needs to, like, also understand, I guess, that we're all interconnected and how like consumption or you will say behavioral choices or just any kind of you know choices people make in one part of the world has repercussions in other part of the world it could be positive and it could be negative uh, but i think it's something that we should all keep on board that everyone is interconnected and it is kind of one earth that we're looking at so that for me it's like that's the biggest one that and i've seen a lot of power of collaboration happening in sri lanka and other places and there's been a lot that's been, through collaboration so I think like just keeping like understanding that things do work in systems I think is um super important and that you know your choices at home do
0: matter at the end of the day yeah great uh Jade
2: well I think as a as a kind of network but you know hopefully more as a as a population we think we really do embody that think or act local dream global I think that's kind of really important so i would encourage people to support your local wildlife organization if you're here in the uk the, the wildlife trusts are everywhere and amazing and if and if you're you know if you have a particular place in the world that that you feel strongly and passionately about then grab a group of friends and come see us and let's see if we can get a new um local conservation collective foundation set up and i think from a more on a personal side of things it's kind of you know get close to nature yourself get your children interested and excited because that kind of stewardship is is um how we get people to care and how we get people to act you know write to your local mp when you see another illegal development going up on a water meadow <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Share, pet- share petitions get involved actually be be an active citizen
0: yeah and that's sometimes uh kind of probably forgotten how much legislation helps in certain aspects of any any cause legislation is not always helpful but then again in certain things you know when things are a must you know then things start to happen if you Mm. think about the plastic bag you know initiative and these kind of things sometimes Mm. it's not only try to pursuing people mm-hmm. to do something. Sometimes the legislation is a key part. And also operators like you who are trying to uh, influence by lobbying and stuff are very important. Uh, although it might seem that it's you're funding admin work or you know mm-hmm. just some people in the office lobbying and it it doesn't have an instant impact. But one change in legislation can suddenly change everything eventually. Yeah. So that's, I think, also a good thing to keep in mind where companies are looking for organizations to support that uh, lobbying sometimes is also the most impactful thing. <laughs> yeah, but of course it requires all what you said, the awareness, the interest, the passion, you know, kind of otherwise, you know, uh, nothing will happen even in legislation. People have to be aware of things and kind of feel passionate about it. Anyway, happy uh, Environment Day for you. Thank you very much for this uh, conversation and I wish you all the best uh, for the future. Thank you so much, Dana. Thank you. Good Good to meet you.